Welcome to the Illuminate Podcast, where we let light shine out of darkness. With your host, Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist. Welcome back to the Illuminate Podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to continue my interview with Forrest Benedict, but we are going to change the subject and talk about group therapy. Forrest is an expert on running groups. He's run hundreds of them, and he is going to debunk some of the myths around group therapy, explain exactly what it is and why it can be helpful. Group therapy has been around a very long time. In fact, the very first Alcoholics Anonymous meetings were just a bunch of people getting together to start talking about their problems. And it's obviously evolved over the years into something more supportive and structured and therapeutic. But a group can be something as simple as just people wanting to get together to talk about healing all the way to something much more structured, focused, and therapeutic. Our focus today is going to be more on the therapeutic groups, the groups that involve uh, a therapist, a professional, and a, a format, you know, a curriculum, a structure. And that's going to be our emphasis today. But needless to say, group treatment, group therapy, group support is really good for addiction recovery and uh, trauma recovery. And so we're big fans of it, and we want to be able to talk about all the benefits that come out of putting people in a room together and working through something in a common way. I also want to make sure that you have plenty of resources to know where to find groups for yourself or for your loved ones. So please stay tuned to the end of the podcast, and I will give you some links. And of course, you can also look in these show notes, and I'll make sure that those are listed there. So please enjoy this interview with Forrest Benedict. Well, I'm glad to be back on the Illuminate podcast today with Forrest Benedict. Welcome, Forrest. Thank you for coming back. Thanks for having me back. So we're going to talk about group today, group therapy. But the idea of a group, the idea of coming and speaking about your issues and getting treatment in a group setting instills a lot of fear in most people, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think most people don't like that idea initially. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Uh, well, I think there's a couple reasons, you know, I think part of it is like our upbringing. If we don't have strong attachments to people, then, then we really don't value that. And we really have a lot of fear around connecting to other people, um, and even being seen by other people. And we really don't trust other people in a lot of ways. Um, so that's, that's one piece. Um, but yeah, it's just, I think part of it, too, is, like, a cultural thing. Like, um, I'd say men in particular really don't like the idea of, um, you know, getting help or getting a group um, to support them or help them because they think they should be able to do it themselves. Uh, I mean, that that would be even a challenge of even getting them into individual therapy. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, I think... There's that fear of being seen and fear of being judged and even fear of maybe running into someone they might know. I mean, it just, I think most people have a strong aversion to the idea initially. And so it's like, kind of, they, they really won't do it unless they feel like it's their only option to heal. Yeah. So that's interesting. I mean, I think, I think when I ask that question, you know, why do people resist group initially? You know, in my in my mind, it's always well, it's an, it's an embarrassing problem. They don't want to be exposed. They don't want people to see them. But but I love I love the way you let off with, well, mostly most of the people that struggle with addictions don't 
really know how to do connection or attachment. And so they just avoid it because one, they don't value it, but they also just don't even know how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a foreign concept or it's like, why would you even want to do that? <laughs> right. Know? Right. Right. So it's, yeah. it's almost even less about avoidance and fear and more about just not even registering it as a helpful thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I have a chapter in my book, um, Life After Lust, about uh, paradox of pornography addiction. What you fear most will heal you. Uh-huh. And, and this is the thing that people fear most, but will actually heal them, is group therapy. Hmm. And so, you know, I, I feel like there's so much need for even, like, this concept to be addressed like we are now, to to let people know that even though you might fear this the most, it's actually one of the most powerful things you can do and, and possibly something that you may not heal without doing uh, is group therapy. Yeah, I love that. Can you explain what group therapy looks like? I think a lot of people, you know, you see it on TV or movies and it's oftentimes portrayed as, the, you know, it's played up for comedy, right? But but what right. what exactly if you were to take our listeners into a group therapy session what would they experience what would it, what would be happening? Yeah, well, it's you know it's by a, it's led by a trained therapist um, you know that has some type of expertise in sexual addiction uh, treatment. I think that's really important um, that that you know that the person leading the experience is somebody that has a lot of um, knowledge and, and knows how to do this. And so, um, so yeah, that would be the person leading. It's, it's always in a, usually in a room, um, in a confidential room. Um, of course, um, now I'm only doing online groups, so that changes the dynamic a little bit. But, you know, confidentiality is really the foundation of the group that people not share uh, the names of people that are there or the stories that other people share. Um, and so really, you know, it's kind of like, you know, we usually start with a check-in uh, that's very structured. And then, um, you know, there be maybe times to um, share a lesson of some kind that the therapist might share or there might be some kind of discussion uh, related to recovery. Um, there might be some focused on um, helping somebody process through a challenge that they're going through or, you know, a relapse or dealing with other, you know, a, a, a crisis that they're up against. Um, but what it really is, is, you know, I call it the connection classroom because it's really like a safe place to, um, to learn how to connect, to learn how to, you know, learn through mistakes even you know, maybe learn how to confront people or be confronted, um, but also learn how to just receive a ton of support and a ton of, you know, brotherly love uh, or sisterly love if it's a female group, you know. Um, but, you know, that's kind of the experience is, you know, it's, a, it's structured in some ways. I mean, the groups I do are about an hour and a half, um, but, but it's also, you know, I think a good therapist kind of has the structure in mind, but then also is willing to go with the flow of what issues kind of emerge in the moment. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, that's kind of 
what a group experience can be like. Um, there may also be like experiences that the therapist takes people through. Um, you know, we call them like experiential exercises. So it's interesting. I've, I've written recently about group therapy and I think there's a lot of different ways. There's no like one way to do it. You know, I, right. I feel like every, every therapist kind of does it their own way, you know, and, and I've found ways that are effective and other people do it totally different than me and they they still may be very effective. Yeah. So the role of the therapist in, in group therapy, I've run lots of groups as well. The role of the therapist is to really sort of balance the needs of, of moving along maybe lessons or experiential exercises or, or curriculum or things like that with what's happening in the group relationships and dynamics in that moment, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think we... We need to, it's, it's kind of, it's an art form, really. It's, you know, the, the therapist is attuned to what's going on emotionally with everybody in the room. And, you know, I've, I've even stopped the group and, you know, asked somebody like, you know, tell me, tell me why you chose to do this in this moment. And, you know, it's, it's difficult because sometimes they might feel like they're being confronted, but, um, you know, I like I want people to learn in the moment, like, hey, what's coming up for me for you in this moment, you know, as you experience this and you know, is this something that comes up for you out there, you know, outside of the group group experience. Right. So I think that's important, you know, to be aware of that. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Group therapy in terms of why it's so effective for addictions, um, why would you say? Like why why is this format so important compared to just working through it by yourself or working with just an individual therapist? I mean, obviously, like all the – I tell people, look, you're, if you're going to you know, really design the perfect recovery uh, program, it would include self-help work, individual counseling, couples counseling if you're in a marriage or a relationship, and then group therapy. And then you know, 12-step for a lot of people – becomes, um, you know, an ongoing kind of organic community support thing. But, but group therapy, really, if it's available, if you can get it into a group, it's just so effective. Why? Why is group part of this puzzle? Yeah, you know, I've, I've had this conversation with people when I've had them come in for the intake. It's almost like I have to sell them on why doing groups instead of just individual therapy. And, and, you know, what I always say is that they're going to get something from the other group members that they can't just get from the therapist. You know, yeah. the therapist is, you know, we're paid to be there. We, you know, we have our own, um, you know, it's just different hearing it from somebody that's in their shoes, you know, somebody else that's, you know, in the moment, like about to lose their marriage or, you know, in the moment, you know, struggling with how hard this all is, you know, they, I think they really gained so much hearing that from other people. Um, and then also seeing people progress, you know, seeing that, hey, this isn't a hopeless situation, you know, that people can get out of this. Like, part of it too, though, is, you know, I, I'm sure you've heard this and said this also, but 
that we're wounded in relationships and we're healed in relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, so yep. a, a lot of that, like as we let go of the addiction, uh, we need something healthy to grab onto. And the group becomes that, you know, the group becomes that place that we can reach out when we're struggling um, outside a group or even in group. Um, and, you know, we really learned that while the past relationships may have been a source of, you know, so much pain and trauma that, that they can really be a source of healing uh, when we learn to connect in a, in a healthy way with others. So I think that's another reason that groups are so effective. Right, because where else are you going to have in your natural support system um, for most people a place to be that honest, that real, where you've got a group of people who are all committed to uh, supporting, challenging, listening, reflecting, and and so on. Right? I mean, that's just that group is such a unique little environment that you just don't get anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. It's like um, you know, I'm talking about scripture, like a three strand cord is not easily broken. You know, like there is strength in numbers. You know, we're not. We can do the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. You know, we can do so much more as a group than just by ourselves or even, like you said, by ourselves in the same system of people that kind of supported our addiction, you know, that mm-hmm. may not be healthy. And they may not have any interest in us getting better. So that's a lot different. Yeah. Yeah, and I love that. You know, we often talk about, I think Philip Flores wrote that book, Addiction as an Attachment Disorder, that, you know, addiction becomes that counterfeit attachment. It becomes that counterfeit relationship that you can always turn to when you're feeling lonely or when you're feeling misunderstood or hurt or every other emotion we feel in relationships. And the, the addiction will always give you the same comfort and response that really, in a healthy way, we ought to turn to humans for. So group becomes a, a reparative or, rep, you know, a place where we can turn to people and ask for what we need and and share our vulnerabilities and our fears and our worries and ask for support and have people respond to us, really engage that call and response. Like, I'm hurting, and the other person can say, I care about your hurt, right? Even just like in the the kind of the old sort of 12-step thing that people, you know, everybody knows this, you know, like, hi, my name is Jeff, I'm an addict, and everybody says, hi, Jeff, right? I mean, it's just... It's that yeah. it's that call and response. It's that sense of I see you, you matter. You know, we're all here together. That is so healing for us as humans. Yeah, and I think some of us, or maybe this is everybody, but part of the addiction is feeling is is pursuing that fantasy of being wanted or seen. You know, it's like the porn. We in the porn we get like counterfeit. It's not real, but we do get this experience of feeling like we're seen or feeling like we're desired or feeling like we're wanted. Yeah. But in the group, you know, in the group, we actually, we get that for real. You know, we have people that want to be with us and want to spend time with us and want to get to know us. And, you know, and that experience is very healing. I think we really need it. Yeah. And so group therapy then... You know, as a as a treatment thing, a lot of people don't have access to a uh, a group therapy. So, you know, obviously, twelve step groups are are in just about every area, some form. And there's online twelve step groups, 
And and so can you can you talk for a minute about the difference then of, of the different types of groups that are out there and, and really what the different what the benefits of, and disadvantage of each one are, and just so people can understand um, how not all groups are created equal. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, there's definitely a difference between like a twelve-step group or even like celebrate recovery. You know, community-based groups that are probably usually free. Um, there is a difference between that and a therapy group. Um, you know, you're not going to get this. Well, for one, a therapy group helps you really get into healing any trauma um, that may be there. Um, and and some there may be some. You know, like I know. Uh, some of those wounds can be addressed and, and, and healed in, in other settings. But I think um, it's, it's wise, especially if you have a history of, of abuse or trauma, um, to really seek out the professional um, direction of group therapy uh, or seeing a therapist. Um, you know, but, it, but like you mentioned, um, well, you know, some people don't have access to group therapy. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, 12-step 12 12-step 12 programs, I mean, it's hard to say that they're all good because it depends on the group and it depends on who's leading it and kind of the amount of health in the room. But um, but those can be a great a great uh, resource. You know, I, I just started uh, an online group that's, um, it's not a therapy group, but it's just like a supportive group. Oh, okay. And it's 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 free, and it's available to anybody in the world. You know. Right. And it's not um, it's not therapy, but it's just like, hey, let's talk about this topic related to recovery. So, but you know, people feel like connection. You know, they feel less lonely. They don't feel like they're in it by themselves. So I think that's definitely helpful. You know, but it. It won't, I don't want people to feel like, you know, for some people, a community-based group won't be enough um, to get the, the long-term healing that they would need. Um, you know, I, I know you, you're aware of this, but I just started um, an online therapy group. And so anyone in California that's dealing with this issue can do an online therapy group um, which is awesome. I love the idea because, yeah. it, you know, it can reach people that don't have access to an in-person group. Um, and so, you know, not, I don't, I don't know of many people that are doing that. So it may or may not be available to people in the state or country that they're in, but, um, those are just a couple of different options. Okay. Yeah. And they all, they all have merit and value. It sounds like there's not a disadvantage to doing any kind of group, right? There's not like, um, any drawbacks at all? Yeah, yeah. As long as it's like a, a healthy um, environment, you have a leader that you know knows what they're doing. You know, it's, um, but you know, even some like church groups and some, you know, even just a few guys getting together just to talk about their week. I mean, there's value in community. You know, regardless of what setting it is. So yeah, you know, there may be levels of um, depth that people want to go to based on their own situation. They may be, but, but any type of connection with healthy people or people that are trying to get healthy together um, is valuable. Yeah, and I, I like that you, 
you know, that you emphasize that there has to be a healthy environment, have to has, has to have a healthy leader. It can't just be a bunch of people, you know, pulling each other down or enabling each other or griping or just staying in kind of a dramatic victim place, right? It needs to be a place that actually promotes recovery. Yeah, yeah, or, or even a shame-based environment where it's just about, you know, I, I know of one, I won't, I won't say the name, but I know of one group where basically if you, I don't know if it's either if you relapse or you don't do the homework, but you're kicked out of the program. And, you know, talk about, like, damaging somebody's attachment. Like, here they are trying to learn how to trust people, and they get booted, you know, if they yeah. take it serious enough. Like, I wouldn't recommend people go to that group, you know? Yeah, wow. Yeah, so those are things to look for. It needs to be an environment that actually helps promote and teaches healthy bonding, healthy attachments. And in my experience, a lot of these groups... They for, pe- a lot of these individuals form friendships for life. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's just not, uh, yeah. once the group is over, it's not like, okay, well, that was a nice journey of a, of a year or two, and so we'll just move on. It becomes part of their life. Yeah. Yeah, it's not just practice that you can apply to other relationships, but it's also like, wow, you, I've, I know I'm still in touch with people um, you know, from 15 years ago that, that we're still friends uh, as we went through recovery together. And, um, you know, like, yeah, I, I see guys that even after the group ends, you know, they keep getting together, um, you know, for dinner once a month or, yeah, it's, it's really cool. Like, you can actually meet people that are like, hey, I want this person in my life, you know. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. People going to group therapy, the primary goal for that is really to learn how to show up differently in your own relationships. And if you happen to make friends in that actual group, that's just a side bonus. But but the real goal is to for you to become a different person and to learn how to relate to the people in your art in your natural environment. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think a lot of times people, at least that come through our groups, uh, worry that if they're not making best friends in the group, that maybe they're doing something wrong. And, and I'm just like, you know what? You get to choose who you're friends with. You don't, you can't force that. And maybe it's not the right chemistry, but you can still practice the principles of relating to others, listening, giving feedback, showing up for others, and learning how to work together with others and, and you know, be vulnerable and those kinds of things that happen. You can benefit from that regardless of whether you hang out with those people afterwards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, there may even be somebody in the group that pushes all your buttons, and that might be great practice dealing with difficult people, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think a lot of the times people start groups, I see this a lot, and they're, they want to turn it kind of into summer camp, you know, like, let's let's all get together and have the best experience of our lives, and they want to keep it really positive. But what, what you're essentially saying is there's really... If it's led by a competent therapist and 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 there's there's someone in there who really knows how to lead and, and work with the different personalities and interactions in the group, then there's really almost nothing that could go wrong. They can use every every part of what happens in there as a learning experience and a chance to see how people respond and work through things, right? Yeah, it's all grits. They say grits for the mill. I, I don't know what that means anymore, but yeah, it's <laughs> like you can use... You can use it, you know. You can use it if somebody 
flips that week or if somebody's doing awesome that week or, you know, want to rip somebody's head off, you know, you can just, you can actually, it can be extremely healing to process something like that with somebody because, you know, in the past they may not have had people that did have patience to, to process their emotions, you know, that could be responsive to them. Yeah. They might have just been shut down and told to leave the room, you know? Yeah, so there can be all these corrective emotional experiences that in previous relationships, they never maybe had the chance to, to repair things with somebody. So now they can confront these dynamics in that group setting. And again, all of this helps with addiction because they can actually have closure on things. They can actually reconnect. They can actually have a voice. And, and then they're not having to manage all this internal stuff that they eventually just go numb out, right? Yeah, yeah. And and really another way that this is healing is that, you know, and I know you've done a lot of writing on disclosure, and so you really, you really get this, how, you know, coming into the light and, and you know, sharing, sharing kind of the things that we're most shameful of um, really can be a healing experience mm-hmm. uh, when it's received by the, in the right environment by the right people. So that's the, another part of the corrective experience would be sharing, you know, people would share maybe their inventory or people might read their disclosure before they share it with their partner uh, in the group. And, and that could be extremely healing as well, you know, sharing the things that they were positive would lead to them being rejected or unloved, sharing them in the group and actually being loved and being accepted, you know, it's, that can be very powerful too. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, there's really no way to, if you've got, again, if you've got good support, a good environment, a trained facilitator, there's just very little that could really go wrong that couldn't be for your benefit and growth, even if you ultimately uh, needed to decide that you you know you, you need to set a boundary and be done with the group or whatever. There's just all kinds of growth that can happen from that. I'm a big fan as well. I think that group is so powerful. It's why I've been running groups in my practice for over 12 years. And uh, oh wow, it, yeah, and I just I just think that it makes such a difference. And it's hard. It's it's uncomfortable. Uh, it's it's inconvenient a lot of the times. You have to drive somewhere and and show up and do homework and interact and be with people and sometimes you don't feel like it and and uh, but that's that's what makes it so powerful. It's so so much more uh, engaging physically, emotionally, spiritually, emotional, everything. Just so much more than just being by yourself or reading a book. I mean, it just really lights you up. It has so much potential. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. It it can make a make the difference in recovery. Yeah, and addiction is such a full body, full emotional experience anyway, and you almost have to find something that matches it at that same level, right? And I think group is, is really one of those things that and uh, that uh, is bigger than the addiction. It can be. Yeah. Yeah, some people consider the group to be a, kind of like a higher power, you know? Like it can, like you said, I like I like what you said there about the group being bigger than the addiction. Um, I haven't really heard it said that way. Um, but, but yeah, in that sense, you know, the, the group can be a higher power, um, you know, especially for people that, well, whether people are religious or not, whether they have, you know, God as their higher power or not, the group does have that 
that power as well. Yeah, and I and I think that the group is probably the one of the few things in <clears throat> in life that will stand up to the addiction and you know and challenge it. And um, if if you as an individual aren't strong enough to do that, you've got other people who might care more about your recovery than you do in the in, you know certain days. And so, in a yeah. lot of in a lot of ways, that group becomes um, becomes a huge um, advocate and proponent of, of healthy living and other things. And again, the group can carry your recovery a lot of times when you can't. So, I, I think that coming every week and showing up and and surrendering yourself to that process um, is really your way of standing up to the addiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty powerful. You know, um, yeah, I think. In the beginning, like maybe when we're just the behavior is discovered or some kind of crisis hits, you know, we have so much, or I've seen people have so much uh, drive to never do this again. But I mean, you and I both know that that only lasts so long. I mean, that'd be a great time to get yourself into group therapy. But to think that, oh, because I have all this initial drive and fear and you know, resolution that this thing's never coming back. Um, we, you know, to get yourself in a group that actually will help sustain that is going to be so important. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I and I also know, like you were saying earlier about the group being a higher power. That's an interesting concept I've never thought of before. But as I'm thinking about it right here, I think yeah, a lot of the folks I work with who are, you know, Christians, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, in, in my area especially, there, there's a lot of people who. Uh, in the course of having an addiction or being traumatized or just all the the attachment problems they may have had, you know, God becomes very distant for a lot of them. They they feel distant from him. They don't feel close. They don't feel loved. They have a hard time feeling anything for that matter. And so the group can become a place where they start to feel some of those godly attributes of of acceptance and, and love and support. And it can open them up and become a bridge back to their higher power, which I think is so beautiful. Yeah, no, I, I definitely would agree with that. Yeah, it's like we it can kind of, yeah, experiencing the compassion of other people, you know, could help us open up to, oh, maybe God has this kind of compassion towards me, or maybe God loves me in this way, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I think they can, it can hit on so many different levels. Yeah. Well, this is this is really interesting. I mean, I think group therapy is something that is is pretty misunderstood, um, and I think that it's something that maybe feels even somewhat mysterious to a lot of people because it, it seems like this is big, overwhelming thing. But but the reality is, is group therapy, like you said, is is the thing that you fear most, the thing that's going to help you the most. And if it's done right, and you have good, professional, competent help, it's something that is worth embracing. And then for people that don't have access to a physical group, what other options uh, are there for them in terms of having a therapeutic group experience, Forrest? Yeah, well, like I said, I have um, the the private practice that I just started and program that I've started that's online. So that's available to anyone in California. I don't know if other therapists, I mean, well, I know that, other therapists can provide um, video or, you know, telehealth or uh, video type of therapy. Um, I just don't know what groups are available in that format. Yeah. Um, but I definitely know that there's a lot of online um, 
groups available. Um, you know, uh, Bob White, um, his website has several free um, groups available. Um, one of those are, is a group that I lead, um, and that's available worldwide. And then, you know, SA and SAA and all these, there's tons of 12-step meetings that meet online. Um, there's phone meetings, you know. So, so there's definitely, I would say there's no reason why uh, people can't connect to a group in some format, uh, given the technology and resources that we have right now. That's great. And so I know SALifeline.org has SAL groups online as well. And like you said, oh. Oh, good. yeah, even if you can't find, even if you can't find a, a, a therapy group with a licensed therapist in your area, uh, please don't let that stop you and, and definitely look for a way to get that group support and start to practice um, the classroom of connection. I think that that's a, that's a great way to frame it. So any final thoughts for us before I let you go? Uh, no, I mean, this has been enlightening, even as you and I have talked, like, even this is kind of a example of kind of this energy and, you know, what can happen when two be- two or more people get together. And so I, it's been a great conversation and I hope, I hope it really helps your audience. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I love that kind of what we're doing here is, is essentially the magic that, and the power that happens when you when people just start opening themselves up and talking about things that matter to them. That's really great. Well, uh, yeah. thank you, Forrest. I'll definitely, uh, let, uh, let people have it, you know, I'll, we'll put in the, in the show notes, uh, links to your groups and other resources so people can, can get the support that they need. But thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Thank you, Jeff. It's been a pleasure to spend some time with you. I want to thank Forrest Benedict for joining me on the Illuminate podcast. You can find Forrest's work at ForrestBenedict.com. And his book is Life After Lust. And you can buy it anywhere books are sold. Forrest also has an online program for his Life After Lust book, which you can access on his website. And he does run groups in the state of California. Since these are licensed therapy groups, then you have to be in California to participate in those. As far as other options for face-to-face groups, obviously I'm a big fan of the Lifestar Network. I've been a member of the network for 12 years, and there are over 30 offices around the nation and in Canada that run the Lifestar program, which is face-to-face group therapy for individuals and couples that struggle with pornography, sexual addiction, and betrayal trauma. You can go to lifestarnetwork.org and look up a group in your area. And also, SA Lifeline runs 12-step groups online and, uh, and in person as well. And you can find the schedule and details at salifeline.org. And that's community support that is free and very effective. And they also have some training modules and other resources online for that. I'm also um, a big fan of the LDS 12-step program. We have a lot of people that attend that, both in person. And I believe they have online as well. Uh, you can go to arp.lds.org and find a meeting in your area as well. Again, lots of different types of group support, therapeutic groups, support groups, and definitely want people to be able to break out of isolation and get the help that they need. Thank you so much for listening to the Illuminate podcast. I appreciate all of your support, and I look forward to joining you on the next episode.